This is episode 73 of the Swallier Pride podcast, and today's guest is John Hollihan. He is the founder and inventor of Simply Thick. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, and I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. Hello, John. Hi, Teresa. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking very forward to this. Yes, I'm so happy to have you on here. Well, I appreciate the invitation. I really do. All right. Well, why don't you tell people who you are, and then I'll tell people who I think you are. <laughs> okay. I'm John Hollihan. <laughs> I'm founder and inventor of Simply Thick. That's the short summary, but I mean, there's a whole lot behind that that goes into that, but that's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll dive into all that. Well, you know, I think and how I got introduced to John was, you know, everybody talks about call your local Simply Thick rep, call your local Simply Thick rep. They're all so nice. They're all so generous. They'll send you a million samples. Just reach out to them. And luckily, I have a wonderful Simply Thick rep in my area, Duke. And I actually I met Duke for I think think we met for drinks one night. And (laughs) he was like, you really need to interview John. And I was like, really? I don't know. And he was like, Yeah. And I'm like, well, do you know that I kind of like talk bad about thick and liquids on my podcast sometimes? And I say that I wish patients didn't have to be on him. And he's like, no, he shares kind of the same mentality. He wishes people didn't have to use his product. Absolutely. And I felt like that hit me with a ton of bricks. I was like, what? And he was like, no, he wishes he made a product that is more comfortable for people to drink, but he wishes people didn't have to use it. And I was like, oh my God, I have to talk to this man. So here you are, John. Here I am. (laughs) So, so let's go into it some more. So tell us, let's go back, back further. Where, where did you originally come from? Okay. So the funny thing is, is that I have a degree in paper science and engineering. Which is the nerdiest thing I ever heard. Yeah. Most people never heard about that. (laughs) And I happened to graduate. Paper science and engineering was a type of degree where everybody who had that degree got a job. And I happened to graduate in a year when there was a, a recession in the paper industry. So not everybody got a job and I didn't get a job. And so I was working in the grocery store that I'd worked in in high school doing night stock and got a job with a company that wanted to pretend that they cared about the paper industry. And so what they would do is is you hire somebody with a college degree and one summer internship, and then you tell the industry that you have a paper expert. And then they immediately trained me in their products and all of their products were thickeners. And so I know a whole lot about thickeners people have never heard of sodium alginate, calcium alginate, well-end gum, Ramsan gum, all kinds of stuff. And so I became an expert in thickeners, including xanthan gum. And then, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years later, uh, somebody called me one day and said, hey, we need to sell xanthan gum to people with dysphagia. And I said, dis what? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a paper engineer and I'm and all these other industrial applications and I'd never come across this. And so she explained that her mother had been in hospice care. And her mother had looked at her and, and had just said, you know what, I'm not going to drink this stuff. It, it's just not worth it to me. And, and it's not going to change the outcome. It's not going to change the course, but I just won't drink that stuff. And, and she said, you know, we need to sell sand thing gum to people doing this. And I, I happened to be working for the world's largest sand thing gum manufacturer at the time. 
And I said, hey, that sounds like a great thing. So I turned around and I did a little market research and realized that we didn't know anything about selling in that marketplace. There was a couple of very large competitors and it really did not match the business plan of the world's largest sampling of manufacturer where we wanted to sell large quantities versus putting it in a small can or a small packet and selling it to people with dysphagia. And then I happened to be working on my MBA at the same time and lost my job. And we had an entrepreneurship class. And I walked into class and I'm the only guy in the room without a job. And I've got this really wacky idea from, you know, back in my day at, at my job. And I said, you know what? We're going to make a better thickener for people with dysphagia. And everybody in the room said the same thing I did. They said, this what? And I don't know why, you know, you can ask my business partner if you ever meet him. But I think really it comes down to the fact that students are lazy and they said, hey, John will do all the homework if we pick his project. And so they picked my project and they said, hey, yeah, let's make this better dysphagia thickener thingy and, and we'll help him out. And, you know, and John will do all the work. And then I had this professor who really, really did not understand the, the, the distinction between schoolwork and real world. And he didn't understand that I was just doing a school project. And so he's like, hey, John, what did they say at the hospital about this product? And I said, oh, they loved it. You know, that's, he goes, but did you take it over there? And I said, well, why would I do that? And he said, because they might really like it. And I said, oh, come on. And he, he said, John, you really need to go over there and show them. And so I called him up and Atchafalaya Washington University is, is a very large teaching hospital, Barnes Jewish Hospital. And the only time I've ever called over there and got the director of rehab on the first call was the first time I called. I got her on the phone and I'm like, hey, I'm a dumb MBA student with this crazy idea. Can I come over and show you guys? And she said, sure, come on over to our staff meeting on Tuesday. And I would, you know, I like looked at the phone and I'm like, kidding me? I, that easy? And then I scrambled all weekend and I made up a formula and I mixed stuff up and I put it in little plastic packets that I boiled in, a, in hot water on my stove to try and sterilize it. And I came in and gave this presentation at their staff meeting. And there was, it was probably two seconds of silence. It only felt like 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, all the speech therapists started going nuts and saying, wow, this is awesome. You really need to do this. This would be great. What, how's this going to work out? And those clinicians helped me spec out like how thick to make the product, how much to do with it, and all that kind of stuff. And I'd bring samples over and I'd show them and they'd give me their opinion and we just kind of collaboratively worked through it. I went back to my teacher and I said, hey, see, I told you they loved it at the hospital. And he said, yeah, but aren't a lot of your customers going to be nursing homes and long-term care? I said, yeah. And he said, how do they like it? I said, eh, they love it, right? And he goes, no, 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 you need to go talk to them. I'm like, seriously, man. And so... You know, it's one of those things. You you put together all your courage and you look up the phone number. And I called this number and I got this whole thing in my head going, you know, back in the day of receptionists. And I was going to call and say, speech therapy, please. Phone rings and on the first ring, the phone gets picked up and they say, speech therapy. And it totally freaked me out and I hung up. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> we're all so big, bad and scary. I know. Well, you know, I'm expecting receptionists. Yeah. And so I picked up the phone and I dialed it again. And again, she says, speech therapy. And I said, is this? Like, damn it. Is this Barnes Extended Care? She goes, yeah, it is. And I, I said, well, I, tried, I thought I was calling the regular number and I got speech therapy. And she goes, oh yeah, it's a misprint in the phone book. 
Oh my God. I said, Oh, you know, dumb student MBA. And she said, yeah, yeah, come on over, show us. And, and they told me they had no idea. I mean, they've heard all the stories about how people are going to make butter thickeners or all that kind of stuff. And so I sat down and showed them the same type of reaction. They were just blown away. And they were like, we need to help you. And they helped us. And, and we did some initial preference studies there, brought them to ASHA to help us. Um, we didn't know how to staff a booth. And so, so anyway, I, I went back to the teachers. See, I told you they love it. And then the strange thing happened. All of a sudden, it stopped being like the school project, and it started being kind of a real project. And people started saying, John, are you going to really do this? And where I found myself in May of 2001 is I was really at a decision point. And I graduated with my MBA. My wife was nine months pregnant, and my wife was going to quit her job. We'd already decided she was going to be the one to stay home, not me. And... I had a job offer from a large company here in St. Louis that would cash in on my MBA, you know, nice salary, stock options, vacation, 401k, blah, blah, blah. And I had this startup thing, this Simply Thick thing on the side. And as I remember it, my wife and I were driving to pick up my daughter's infant baby pictures. And we had this discussion. And basically what it came down to is I said, look, I can take that job. And there's, there's hundreds of jobs like it. And I know the hours and I know what the commute's going to be like. And I know how much I'm going to be home and how much I'm going to be working because I've done that job. I understand that job. I know what it's going to be. But I think if I'm at that job, I'm always going to wonder about this thickener thing because I really feel like this product we've put together, this product we've developed can really make an impact on people's lives. And I think I'm always going to wonder about that. And I said, and I, I sort of think if I do that thickener thing, I'm never going to really wonder about what would have happened at that big company job? Because I know what those are like. And I mean, I do have to have to admit my wife and I are good squirrels, meaning we always save our money and we don't spend and live above our lifestyle and stuff. So we were in a position where we could make such a leap of faith. And we went ahead and started Simply Thick. And one of the guys in my study group that helped me initially put together the plan is my business partner today. I love it. And a couple others started out. And one of the people who works here in the office her husband was in the study group. And so it, it is like that type of thing. It is a real business school case. I mean, I joke with people. It's my homework from 18 years ago and I'm still doing it. I still love it. So funny. Yeah. And, and the whole thing was we wanted to make something that just, it, it looked like it should, it tastes like it should. So people would, would drink it. And, and what you said about Duke is absolutely true. We're happy when people call us and say, hey, um, we don't need this anymore. I'm really sorry. I'm like, what are you sorry about? This is a great day in your life. You know, you've progressed. And people are a little surprised by that. Yeah. Nobody calls Simply Thick on a good day in their lives. And so we always tell people, you know, remember that. People on the other end of the phone, it's not a good day in their lives. We're here to make it a little better if we can. Oh, I love this so much, John. <laughs> oh, well. I, I really it. thought I hated thickener and you're making me really love it. Nah, not quite. But... <laughs> no, I love the story. I love, I love everything behind it. I love just everything of what you said. So well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. that. So now I want to kind of switch gears and go a little bit into, so you guys are kind of helping to spearhead this whole idzy. Oh yeah. Itzy. Yeah. So going back to my origin story, I mean, really like, yeah. I'm a trained rheologist. I mean, I know viscosity. I know thickener. I know, I love that stuff. You want to nerd out, you know? 
<laughs> we we can talk about non-Newtonian fluids. We can talk about oh God, no, uh, no, no, you lost oh, me already. Yeah, it's awesome stuff, <laughs> and you know nobody's here to contain me tonight, so you got to be careful. All right, all right. It, when I came to this industry, I was like, oh, this will be so easy. I just go buy some pre-thickened beverages. I run them through the viscometer. I get a rheology profile, and then I'll know how thick to make it. And I was shocked. We ran some stuff through through viscometer. Hi, my name is Teresa. I'm a speech pathologist. I have no idea about anything you're talking about. Nectar looks the same as honey, looks the same as pudding, yes. looks the same as concrete on any given day. Let, let, so, me, let me take yes. out my spoon and I'll tell you how thick it is. <laughs> and, and, and I ran, I got a machine, the technical instrument we use to tell how thick things are. And I was shocked to find out that even within a manufacturer's products, we have found some honey pre-thickened stuff that was thinner than some nectar pre-thickened stuff. Crazy. And I was like, huh? How does that happen? So then really, I realized that this is just kind of an opinion business. And your opinion is your opinion. And I need to make sure that I get you to trust our opinion. And I talked in some state shows. I went with my viscometers. This is a podcast, but we're, you know, you, you, record it with videos so you can see kind of back behind my shoulder there those are my two viscometers there that's ten thousand dollars worth of viscometry equipment crazy and i would take them to and i i took them to state conventions and i gave a presentation called how thick is it and i would go through and try to explain the science and the rheology and and people would just be like what is this dude talking about <laughs> and then i could show them the viscometers and, and the long and the short of it is those two devices back there, they're each, you know, $5,000 each. They, they're super, sen- they're not even super sensitive, but they're super fragile. And if, if you can imagine putting one of those in a facility or in a, in a kitchen, they just get destroyed right away. And, and then they wouldn't tell you anything. But that was sort of hard to get my head wrapped around is that that's what it was. And right about this time, the National Dysphagia Diet came out. And whenever I talk about ITSY, I always tell people, I'm like, the biggest myth out there that I know of in the world of thickness is that the National Dysphagia Diet did anything to, to set specs and ranges for thickness. And for those of us that have really read it, the National Dysphagia Diet is about 37 pages, including a 10-page appendix. The first 27 pages lays out the diet. The last 10 pages is an appendix that says, here's what we know about thickened liquids, which is really not much. And there are no standards. There's no good way to compare data. We can't compare one study to the next, blah, 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 blah. And, but somebody has to pick some standards. So at the risk of getting our head chopped off, we are going to propose some standards. And we are going to come out with these numbers and, and we're going to pick 50 reciprocal seconds. Why 50 reciprocal seconds? Because uh, that was their best guess as to what the kind of average guess as to what the sheer rate or, you know, the, the amount of force in a normal, healthy human swallow puts on a liquid. Notice I said normal, healthy human swallow. I did. Do you know anybody you work with that has a normal, healthy human swallow? Nada. Well, a lot of them that I do find that have been on thickener for years, yes. <laughs> and I would like to quickly thank our sponsors, EndoHD. EndoHD is a true high-definition endoscopy system created specifically for an SLP by an SLP for conducting fees studies. EndoHD is a compact fee system with a maneuverable design that provides convenience to do fees in more locations in the hospital, ICU, CCU, PICU, exam room, patient room. Comes with a highly maneuverable cart, integrated stereo audio, and remote access for service. 
At Altara Vision, they combine cutting-edge technology with clinician-inspired devices and phenomenal customer service to make the best imaging devices in the country. Go to www.ndohd.com forward slash contact to discuss your specific fee systems requirements, pricing, or to request a live product demonstration. That's www.ndohd.com forward slash contact. So that's where they're going to measure it. And then they're going to measure it at 78 degrees Fahrenheit, room temperature. Do you serve any room temperature liquids other than water? Crazy. Uh, Did you know that most thickeners depend on temperature? So when you cool it down, they get thicker. And when you heat it up, they get thinner. It doesn't sound like rocket science, but when you say it like that, John. I mean, that happens. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about starches. And so you could have something that that measures the same according to the standards of the National Asphagia Diet, and they will be radically different. And, And that's, you know, kind of the way it is. And then they pick these ranges. And the ranges are, you know, 1 to 50 centipoise, 51 to 350 centipoise. You guys don't know what a centipoise is, do you? <laughs> we do now because of Itzy. Well, no, because Itzy doesn't use that. And that's one of the brilliant things. There. Oh, well, I think I, I just heard it. Like, so I think Itzy, I think Itzy basically brought this all to life for us to actually think about. Like, I don't know that any of us really thought of it before then. Like, I used to just grab the nectar packet, grab the honey packet, and that's what people had. But then... Once people start talking about Itzy, they're like, well, it depends on the number of centipoids. They're like, what? There's actually like a science behind this? Yes. Crap. So, yes, there's a whole science yeah. to it. Yes. And, and, <laughs> and a centipoise, I, I like to tell people that to me, a centipoise is like trying to measure the width of your table in nanometers. You know, it, it's a very sensitive degree of difference. You know, even if we said, you know, centimeters, you might measure it one and I might measure it a little differently. But nanometers... I mean, it, it's just tiny little differences. And so when you tell me the difference between a thin liquid and nectar is one centipoise, 50 centipoise versus 51, or between a nectar and a honey is 350 and 351, I can tell you that, that the $10,000 of equipment I have right here, I might measure that difference, but I wouldn't trust it. It just does, the, the sensitivity of the equipment is not even there at $5,000 each. It's just not. And so, you know, I appreciate what the National Asphagia Diet did. They at least threw something out there so people began to measure stuff in a standardized way. But there were no standards. And if you go back in the Dysphagia Journal and you look how many times editors let it go by where people said the standards of the National Dysphagia Diet, there were no standards. What they asked for was that we begin to collect data in a standardized manner so we can begin to figure out if there are ranges that matter. And, And I can tell you, again, going back to the ranges, the difference between 350 and 351 is not different. But 351 in 1750, I think that was the end of the honey range, 1750. Those are radically different liquid. That's like a concrete block at that point. Well, not, not at 1750, but it's just so much thicker. Yeah. And, and it just, it doesn't make any sense that 350 and 351 are considered different consistencies, but 351 and 1750 are considered the same. And so... I had seen this process play out. So when I first heard about this international group that was doing stuff, I got, I just hope they didn't keep some of the early emails I sent them. And, and I was very, very concerned that we were going to come out with a centipoise-based system because I knew it, there's no way to measure it out in the field. And I would, I would give these presentations and I would talk about, we call it the line spread test in the rheology industry. It's better to think of it as a concentric circle test or like if you take a, a burn measurement thing that you guys have and you, and you just put a standardized amount of fluid on there and, 
measure how long it takes to flow out. That's it's a good cheap test, but it's good for comparing day-to-day quality control. And so the viscometers are nice scientific instruments for scientists. But the problem is you guys are preparing beverages bedside. And the tools you might have is a fork, a spoon, and a cup. And you need to be able to test it. And that that's the challenge. And, you know, my $5,000 of equipment, $10,000 because I have two of them, to measure different parts of the rheology scale, can't tell the difference. So how are we going to expect you at the bedside to make a difference and to understand? And that's always been the challenge. And so I was very nervous when ITSI did this and, and they were they were talking. And to their credit, ITSI is very much controlled by clinicians and academics. And there's nobody with, with a commercial bend to them at all. They're supported by industry because we all understand the value that they're providing. But the only thing we get for our financial support of ITSI is we get a conference call once in a while yeah. where they tell yeah. us like, hey, tomorrow we're going to release this. You know, we yeah. might know a day in advance, but really the benefit is to the industry. That's why we support it. Yeah. And so at ASHA in 2015, when it was in Denver, whenever it was in Denver and they had just released it, uh, Peter Lamb came and gave the presentation and admittedly it was this huge room and it was mostly vacant. And I sat there and my jaw dropped because what blew me away about ITSI is that they were people who got it. They were people who understood that there's the clinical needs. There's the $7 an hour person working in the kitchen needs. And yet there's this patient need too. How are we going to put them all together? And they came up with simple tests, simple, simple tests that use things all around you so that you can tell the difference. So you can discern, is this nectar or is this honey? And, and even though they changed the names on me, so now it's mildly thick and moderately thick. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to go with that and walk yeah. out of there. And Peter Lamb was there. And I said, Peter, do you have a minute? And he said, yeah. And we sat down and I said, Peter, what you guys have done is brilliant. It's beautiful. And I really believe this is the first time we have seen a system that has a chance, has the opportunity, so that what the speech therapist is doing in the rheology suite is going to be the same thing that the dietary tech is doing in the kitchen. It's the same thing that is happening bedside. And it's the same thing that happens when you go home and I'm preparing stuff for my wife. And it's the first chance we've had to bring all that together where we can really deliver on the promise. What's happening and what you're seeing on video fluoroscopy or on fees is what we're going to deliver to the patient every time. And I'm, it's awesome. And I will contribute all the resources I can to helping you make this happen because you guys have, have achieved something that's remarkable. And because you're independent, people will listen to you. And I said, you know, simply think we'll go out and give 50 presentations on ITSI, even before anybody knew what ITSI was. We've written papers, we've given presentations, we've given posters, all in the awareness phase. And so it's really exciting to see that it's finally getting some traction. People are talking about it. And nothing to do with the formulation of it, nothing to do with the development of it, but I will promote the heck out of it because it fits in with my personal belief that, you know, we need to remember it's not a good day in these people's lives. And we need to make sure that they have the right tools so they're getting the right compensation so that they, they can swallow what they need to and, yeah. and that they're getting the results that you're expecting when you come out of the suite. Yeah. 
Well, I think, like, I think if, you know, like you said, it's a completely independent group that came up with this. But I think also, like you said, a lot of it goes back to our families. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like, we are left with, you know, we, I, I, a lot of times I'm just picking up the pieces of what the doctor has told the family, really. Like, worst case scenario, you're going to be on this stuff for life. You know, so my early experiences with Simply Thick was that I had this family that the doctor said you would never be able to have thin liquids ever again. You're always going to have to have this thick and liquid stuff. And then I remember this family came in and said, well, you guys serve this concrete powder here. The minute I serve it, it turns into concrete. But there's this gel stuff out there that actually tastes nice and I can drink. And that's actually when my facility started looking into it because I was like, what? What is this gel stuff you're talking about? So I, not to get even more sciencey, but I guess why the gel instead of like a powder packet? Okay. So there's a few reasons. The first reason is that I knew xanthan gum could make beverages that were clear and that you wouldn't taste it. And when presented with the issue of how do you get xanthan gum into a solution? Again, realizing I'm talking about, you know, maybe an elderly man making a beverage for his wife bedside. I mean, I'm trained. I have like professional pride in being able to mix the powder and not make lumps. I, that's like professional pride. I'm a, I'm a thickener guy. So I had to learn not everybody has that type of determination, especially in the kitchens of some facilities. And so I did not, the idea of how do you get xanthan gum, which as a technical service rep for the world's largest xanthan gum manufacturer, I spent countless hours every week talking to people about how to disperse and hydrate a gum and how you needed to get the particles to separate. And then you needed to put shear on it. You had to mix it until it could dissolve. And if you didn't do that right, you'd get a lump and it could mix for, and it'd take you forever to mix. And I knew that the environment in a house or in, you know, mixing bedside was just not, just wasn't going to work. And so the idea of taking it and pre-dissolving it, making it into a concentrate so people had to just more or less dilute it back down was a way to get that higher quality, better thickener into people's hands and let them use it. Which, I mean, xanthan gum is used all over the place in, in the food industry because of its remarkable properties. And it, if you went to any food scientist and you said, hey, I need a thickener that's going to work. And I know people think, hey, it's just beverages. But from a food science perspective, coffee, tea, milk, juice, soda, uh, you know, orange juice, apple juice, cranberry juice, they're all different environments. And when you take a powder that, hydrophilic powder that you're trying to hydrate it it's not the same environment to a scientist it's not the same environment to the molecule but if you said i need something that's going to be the most provide the most consistent thickness across all these different beverages and they're different ph's and they're different solid levels and they're different fat contents and they're different sugar levels and all that kind of stuff what's the one thickener you would pick it all says anything gum because it is the best it's not perfect but it's the best of what what we have and, you know, when we first came to this business, people said xanthan gum. Oh, you can't give people xanthan gum. And I'd say, why not? And they said, oh, that causes dehydration. And I said, really? And I said, I, I don't think so. Because I'd go look on, you know, like the World Health Organization, Joint Expert Committee on Food Additives or the FDA's rules. And I'd see no limit on the amount you could consume in a day. And they said, yeah, 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 it's, it's well known, you know. And, and I tracked it back and I would find it even in, journal articles or I'd find it in textbooks and they would say vegetable gums cause dehydration. And if you, a lot of times you find it 
sourced from one paper to the next paper to the next paper. And then you would find that it was sourced to, and it really was like a sales piece from a starch manufacturer. Crazy. It had no footnotes and it was signed, you know, a signed opinion piece for, for that matter that just said gums cause dehydration. There's no data, yeah. there's no evidence, but then that got into one publication and then that publication got cited and that got cited. Telephone yeah, game. Yeah. So I, I yeah. had to spend some money on some consultants to put together a, a toxicologist opinion report stating that, no, there's not a problem with dehydration with xanthan gum. And later yeah. on, you know, evidence would come out showing that, you know, thickened liquids are, are the water in the thickened liquid. It doesn't matter what thickener you use, the body extracts it. That's super fascinating. I think, yeah, yeah I mean, because we've just started thickeners dehydrate people. But then, and I don't even remember when it was. It might have been a podcast a few months ago and it came up. I don't, I don't know. And the person I was talking to said, no, you know that thickeners are not correlated with, don't have a direct correlation with dehydration. It's just a lot of times people don't like them, so they don't drink exactly. them, so they get dehydrated themselves. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, so, it'd be kind of ironic, right? If the more you drank, the more likely you were to get hydrated. Right. <laughs> right. Drink, but not too much. Right. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. We're just idiots sometimes I think. So, so, I mean, you know, you looked at it and you said, Oh, some of the same people who are, you know, would walk by and say, you can't do that. You know, we had to educate them over time and we had to, to do that. And then, you know, a few years ago, there's new powdered xanthan gums that have come out. And and I think the really brilliant thing that, that they've done is if you actually read the directions, they say, put the powder in first and then pour the liquid in. And that actually gets the agitation to separate the particles. And, you know, it, it's a good way to solve the problem. It's not one I thought of. That's why we ended up with the liquid. Maybe if I would have thought of that one, because, you know, even industrially, we used to sell a product that was agglomerated like the xanthan gums are now. And that would, and that gave better dispersion when it's agglomerated. And then the other reason that you go with the liquid and... You know, when I looked at it and, and when I put together that toxicologist opinion letter, one of the things they asked me, and we had to have long discussions about was whether this was a food or a drug. And in the United States, thickener is sold as a food, not as a drug. And the reason that was a concern is that back in the 80s, there was, I think there were some diet drugs, guar gum based, I think. And what happened was because they were a diet drug and part of it was you mix it with a glass of water and you drink it. And it would make you feel full. And people didn't like drinking a full glass of water before they went to bed. And so they weren't mixing it all the way or they weren't putting it in as much water. And then they drank it and they got it. the gum continued to swell. And it, it caused some esophageal blockages, some things like that. I think a couple of deaths were reported. And so the FDA went through an investigation in 92, 93. And they came out with a rulemaking and said, if you're selling a swelling mucilage, like a thickener or psyllium fiber. If you pick up psyllium fiber today, you'll see on the side of the can, there's a warning like this that says, do not use if you've had swallowing problems is among the things it says. Because there's the potential if you don't hydrate it completely that it can continue to swell. The only time I've really seen that play out in industry was, I think it was about two, three years ago, the United Kingdom issued a nationwide alert to check the protocol on how they're handling cans of powdered thickener because a demented patient had picked up the can of thickener thinking it was his drink. Oh, goodness. And it swelled up in his mouth. He asphyxiated and died. Crazy. So we have always felt that the liquids were better in that regard as well. But that's that's not a yeah. 
big issue, but it's it's something to just kind of have on the radar. Yeah. Something someone would run with. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about, so there's the gel, but then now you guys have this easy mix. And what is, how is that different? Okay. So, you know, we were the, we were the first liquid in the world and, and we were this concentrated xanthan gum product. And uh, it seems like a lot of things happened three or four years ago, but three or four years ago. Is that just all in your memory, John? I guess that's just how I look at it. <laughs> you know, the last few years have been kind of busy. We had a plan and we were expanding to Australia. And we sent over a container load of Simply Thick to Australia, labeled it, got some pictures of me sitting there with the container saying goodbye, you know, all exciting. We're expanding internationally. And then at the first show, after the container gets there, our, our broker calls us back and says, John, have you heard of this, uh, this product in Australia? And it's called Precise Thickener. And those guys developed a formula that allowed you to mix it with a spoon. And I'm all about the ease of use. And I'm all about making it easy for the person taking care of their spouse or the person taking care of their mom. To me, the best case and the worst case is really that person sitting there with a cup, a spoon, and the drink. And they need to thicken it. And it's the worst case because from a, a thickener science guy, that's terrible. But it's the best case from, from a patient care standpoint because it's a family member that's sitting there most of the time, helping out their family member with dysphagia. And when I saw this product where you mix it with a spoon, I was like, they've got a better product. We have to have that. And I went through all of the options and made the decision that, that our best option was to try and partner with those guys. And it took a little bit. You know, we had to get over our suspicions of each other and we had to look at it. And it turns out our values and their values are very much aligned. And it's very patient-centered and, and very patient-focused. And I'm happy to say that back almost a year ago, we launched what we call our easy, Sympathic Easy Mix. And we, re- we replaced our classic formula with the Easy Mix simply because you can mix it with a spoon. And it improves the patient, not necessarily the patient experience, but the family member experience or the, or the carers. Yeah, I think it's just because it's not intuitive to like use a shaker to mix it. I think everyone just, you pick up a spoon and then that's what you intuitively think you have to do with it. And then you read the side of the jug and it says like, don't use a spoon, you have to shake. And it's like, oh crap. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've spent many years like bad mouthing <laughs> spoons and telling people how much we love our forks. And yeah. <laughs> I've probably given away these yeah. pint shaker things. We've probably given away tens of thousands of them a year. Like Rubbermaid's biggest customer. Years. Rubbermaid wasn't, wouldn't awesome. sell to us, but uh, the company that makes the store brands awesome. were a very awesome. good customer of theirs. <laughs> I mean, you know, we it was actually cheaper for us to, to buy yeah. our own mold yeah. than to continue to print yeah. our name on it. Awesome. <laughs> and it's not a perfect product because no product is, but it improved the patient experience, improves the preparation experience in so many ways that it was worth it. And um, a lot of people even said to me, how come you just jumped all in? It's basically because I believe from a patient perspective, this is a better product. And if we had tried to launch it as kind of a side product or let the market decide, neither one of our products would have done as well. Yeah. And it would have created it would have created confusion and problems for the industry. So we just, we bit the bullet and we, we made the transition and we picked a cutoff deadline and we, we stuck to it. Crazy. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So can you get the classic anymore or is it just easy mix now? 
That's it. It's just easy mix. Crazy. Done that way since uh, it's coming up on a year now. Awesome. And the, I mean, you know, it takes some time to work through the channels. Yeah. But anything we would still have of the classic is now past its ex- its best by best diffuse by day. Crazy. So no more shakers. So, awesome. No more shakers. Awesome. Because I know you guys had some issues with like not not billing, but like payer sources or something like being confused with the easy mix. Is that all in the past too? It's not completely sorted out. Okay. One of the issues you run into is that the code the thickener is built under, B4100, says per ounce. And it's it's a little ambiguous if it's per ounce of thickener or per ounce thickened or what. But when you one of the other things about the Easy Mix formula is that it's about two and a half times as concentrated. Oh. So when you go from a, a one-ounce packet, for example, down to a 0.4-ounce packet, the reimbursement sources kind of want to pay 40% for it. And we're like, no, 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 it's the same dose. And so we've been working through those dosing issues with payers. Gotcha. And it's coming along. And some states are a little more open to it than other states. But we've been working on it. And it has only been a year, which, I mean, I know it's been a year, but in the world of healthcare, you know, a year's not that long to get people to change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell me, where do we stand with ITZY now? Because I feel like I heard like in 2017, it had to be fully implemented. Then it was like 2018. Then it was 2019. Now people are like, is it ever going to be fully implemented? ITZY, because it's volunteers. The really good news is, and, and many people may not know this, but National Dysphagia Diet was supposedly a joint ASHA and at the time, what was it called? The American Dietetic Association, ADA, were jointly producing it. And in the end, the ADA endorsed it and printed it, but it was never endorsed by ASHA. And the ITSI people have worked really hard back behind the scenes, you know, whether it was Luis Raquelme or uh, the names escaping me before, but before Luis, there was another guy, Joe, which I think it was Joe Murray. You know, people in the VA really worked hard to get it presented both to what's now the American Nutrition, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and ASHA. And both of them have endorsed the ITSI diet. And back in October, they both agreed that May 1st would be the, the target for okay. the implementation phase. And ITSI has worked on a, you have the education phase, they call it the awareness phase, and then there's the adoption phase. So we're moving into that implementation and adoption phase. And so May 1st is when we're supposed to start really implementing it. But I mean, I know there are facilities that have implemented it a year ago, and there's facilities that aren't going to implement it for five years. And it, I think it's really going to come down to when the states hear about it, when the state inspectors hear about it, when they start putting people on it, but it really is designed and in place and publicly they're saying May 1st. I have not seen a lot of work out of, call it the volunteers in the U.S. Yeah. I, I, I know. I keep hearing it like internationally that they're like going forward with it. And that's, I think, why it's kind of confusing here. Andy has a person on staff that's supposed to be helping with that. And there are people putting together a implementation is kind of a strong word, but you know, a group, but it's heart and its core relies on volunteers doing stuff. And so in Canada, there's actually three board members in Canada 
And so they have a strong core foundation there. And they've been having industry meetings on this for a couple of years. I've been to most of them. I'm part of their implementation group, their expert group to ask questions to. But I haven't even seen anything like that being fully formed in the U.S. And I've been starting to think that, you know, here we are, Teresa, you and me. Yeah, we're at John. Put together an instant <laughs> reference in uh, Buffalo. Oh, yeah. And, Let's spearhead we, this, John. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is people laugh like that, but what's it going to take? I know. I mean, I, you know, I know. You, you put together a conference and call together the suppliers and set it up in, in Buffalo and people will come. Yeah. Certainly from your area. Yeah. But you'll bring in other people and you can begin talking about it and what's it going to take to implement. Yeah. Because ITSI is a framework. Yeah. And also in the brilliance of the framework is it was designed to be global, which means it's really good on, call it structure and framework, but it's not a lot of details. Yeah. Because it knows that culturally in the United States, we use forks and spoons and knives. And sporks. And sporks, yes. <laughs> in, in Asia, they use chopsticks. In parts of Africa, they use their hands. Interesting. And so every diet level and every test method in ITSI includes different ways to distinguish the, which level in the diet it is based on any of those implements. So you can use your chopsticks, you can use your fingers, you can use your fork. And so the framework's there, but they didn't get into the specifics of, you know, how you prepare your grits. Yeah. So at the facility level, we need to begin to put together stuff on how we're going to prepare our diets and how we're going to do that stuff. The good news is that I've seen some of the consulting dietitian groups make a commitment to ITSI and make a commitment to having their diets be ITSI compliant. I spoke at, I think it was Crandall Corporate Dietitians a couple months ago, and they're, they're excited about it and they're committed to it. And I'm sure the other consulting dietitian groups are too, because like I said, when, when people really look at it and they really get their head wrapped around it, what's not to like about it, except that it's new and different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that like, just from my experience, I think that would be the hardest part is getting the dietary staff on board. So I love hearing that there's some, it's supposed to be coming down their pike as well. So I think some, well, it's, yeah, it's endorsed by yeah. both organizations and it doesn't matter if a speech therapist brings it in or a dietitian brings it in. The, the sense of it is these are international standards. Part, part of the justification is, number one, so that if somebody develops something in Japan and, and it makes a tremendous difference, now we'll be able to more rapidly move it and adopt it here in the U.S. Um, that, you know, if you think about it from a drug perspective, like, hey, Teresa, you know, you need three units of insulin. And then you go to Japan. You said, hey, you know, I need three units of insulin. And they go, well, you know, we measure differently. So let's, let's take your blood glucose again and retest you. And then we'll decide how much to give you. That's kind of what we do now with dysphagia. You're at a facility. You're on, you know, this diet and these liquids. Now we move you to my facility. Oh, now we need to retest you. We need to reevaluate you. And, oh, you know, you used to be on this thick. Well, now you're on that thick. And you used to be on this type of solids. Now you're on that type. We're trying to get that inefficiency in the system out of there. We're going to make it easier for the facilities. And it's also easier for the suppliers to provide you with things that you need more consistent. But it's all about that transfer of knowledge and and making sure it's there and giving the people to work together and and making sure that what you say, the dietitian understands. So we're all using the same language. And there's been a lot of discussion about this flow test that ITSI came up with. Is it a great scientific test? No. Is anything new? No. Is it the type of thing where you can sit down and really write 
deep, detailed papers comparing the, the rheological characteristics of different thickeners? No. But can you use it to tell if this thick, thickened liquid is the right consistency? Yes, you can. Cool. And where I see that test actually playing out, because you start hearing and seeing a lot of questions, is they will use the flow test for their, when they set up their menu, they'll use the flow test in their audits. But on a daily basis, unless there's a disagreement, unless that technician feels like, hey, no, no, that's not the right consistency, they're not going to run it every time. Right. Nothing in Etsy that says you have to. Right. And Etsy cares about the, the point of service and what's going on. So the, the biggest educational piece is to get those dietary techs, the people who are feeding the patients, to feel empowered and to be believed when they say, hey, wait a minute, this is wrong. And you, you have tests that they can do. Yeah. They can pull out a funnel, I mean, a syringe and, and check it. Uh, they can pull up a fork and see if the particle size is correct. They can squish it with their thumb and make sure it's the right pressure and see if it is really soft. Is it bite-sized? Is it smaller than my thumb now? Mm-hmm. All these tests are there. They're very practical. They're very down-to-earth. And it's all, again, about making sure the patient gets exactly what you and the dietitian have agreed. And I keep pointing at Teresa. You do. I know. It's all my fault. I know. What the speech therapist and the dietitian has decided. Yes, yes. Is safe for the patient. Yeah, yeah. And, and making sure that that's clearly communicated because there are too many stories and it's the slides. They've pulled out coroner reports of all the different scenarios where, you know, somebody who was trying to be nice because the patient was a little hungry gave them, say, a sandwich with tuna, um, you know, like tuna fish in it. Well, that's kind of a mixed consistency. It's sort of a puree, not written. And then they choke and, they, and they've had very fatal outcomes. And so this is serious stuff, making sure we communicate it clearly and correctly. Yeah. And it's he's providing us the framework and the language to do that. I think, I, I mean, I love to hear that all the manufacturers are getting on board too, because I think in skilled nursing, like what I always came across was, okay, this is the product we're going to use now. And then all of a sudden... Dietary finds this cheaper fruit punch. So now this is the fruit punch we're going to serve, but it comes in, you know, nectar thick. But then when you pour it out, it's a completely different consistency than this other company's nectar thick orange juice. So I think, you know, I I love putting the tools back in our hands. That's what I always say. We should have our own tools in our own hands. So I love that now we have basically, like you said, a test to see if it is the right thing. I should have mentioned when we launched the Simply Thick Easy Mix formula. We actually made two changes. We switched the formula and we switched our labeling and packaging. And our labeling and packaging is now it's compliant. And it it's the thicknesses are a little thicker than classic Simply Thick. So actually the biggest issue we had when we made the formulation change was getting people used to being a little bit thicker and still being okay. And explain, it was a great opportunity to sit down and say, look, these are international standards. We're following international standards. You may not like them. You may not like how it compares to our old thicknesses, but at least we're following a standard now. And then after, I mean, really after two, three months, all of the, the noise died down. So I got a few months until I have to totally change my vocabulary is what you're telling me. I, I tease my sales reps that, you know, after three months, we'll change okay. it. Because <laughs> we're, we're in transition packaging. We have both yeah, on there. Yeah. You know, and, and it's color coded. I don't know how much you know about that. No, I didn't it, know that. It's color coded. <laughs> every, every level has three different ways you can tell it apart. It has a number, it has words, and it has a color. Okay. To just give you an idea of the level of sophistication of the ITSI committee, <laughs> when they picked out the colors, they ran it through 
the most common colorblindness scales to make sure that people who had the common colorblindnesses could tell the difference between levels in the scale. Well, that's cool. But it, it, you know, and my, my designers, when they looked at it, they're like, why did we get that ugly yellow? And why did we get that ugly pink? Yeah. Yeah. Can't we have that nice green? Yeah. Can't we have? Well, now I can hear like, like, well, I'm on the pink thickness. Does anyone have any of those pink packets? That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) And the facilities that are looking at like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Exactly. You got the colors. I published an article about it in, in a magazine and it came back the proof. Like their designer didn't like the harsh colors. So they had changed all oh the colors God. of the scale. I'm like, ah, you really can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're getting used to, to being really bright yellow and being bright pink. And But at the same time, it allows you to do things where you don't have to say this patient's on thick and liquid. Yeah, you can yeah, just put like yeah. a, a pink magnet on their door frame because most door frames are metal. Right. Put a pink magnet on there. Well, and a lot of st- like our Department of Health won't let you put like this patients on nectar thick, like you know, like it has. They yeah. do every facility has some sort of symbol that they yeah, use. So you just, you just throw a pink a pink sticker on the door. You throw a pink magnet on the on the door frame, or you know, you put a, a tray liner that's pink, and then people know. Yeah, it's very obvious, and it communicates clearly to the medical staff. But you know, it would take a lot for somebody to figure it out. Yeah. I think I had, we had heard in someone had done a podcast about in services. I can't remember when that was. It was early last year, kind of when I first started the podcast, but about how they had found out that the assistants in the kitchen were illiterate. So they were getting frustrated that like they didn't know, you know, they, they weren't reading the meal tickets. They weren't putting the right stuff on the <laughs> tray and then come to find out that like, some of the assistants were illiterate to begin with. So then they did have to go through a whole color coding system. So like red was nectar, blue was honey, something like that. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's great. Standardization is great. And, and the beauty is when you walk now, when you walk into a facility in China in South Africa and in the U S and you see those colors, you'll know. Yeah. You already know Yeah. what the thickness is or what, what the diet is. And in the ITSI diet scale is all inclusive. So it includes thin liquids and it includes regular food. So you can use it to code everybody in the facility if you want. And there's, I tell people, it, the funny thing is for as many rumors as there are, ITSI consists of four key documents. First of all, you have the evidence, which shows all the evidence that they went into and, and they reviewed. And, you know, there's hundreds of yeah. articles. You can, you can knock your heart out reading the articles and footnotes and seeing if they did a good job. There is the, the diet itself or, or the food descriptors, the liquid descriptors and the FAQs. And you got these four documents and that's it. And it is printed out 50, 60 pages. And I'm pretty sure one evening sitting at home, every speech therapist that's listening to this could be an expert in ITSE. Awesome. And I would tell you, I think the documents are called like the detailed descriptors and the, the FAQs and their FAQs are not like a website FAQs, you know, like, Oh, I, I lost my password. How do I, no, no, no. These FAQs are like hard hitting and detailed. Awesome. And, you know, I thought I was knowledgeable on, on the diet and I read the FAQs before giving a presentation a couple of years ago. And I went, Oh, I don't know anything. Crap. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's overstating. Yeah, yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. So I highly, highly emphasize reading that. Okay. But I mean, really, in an hour or two, you will be an expert in ITSE. And you'll be amazed at how simple it is. And for all the rumors you've heard and all the scary things, 
you'll have the framework. Um, it's available to download on your phone. So you can carry the whole diet in your pocket. Yeah. When you have an argument about what does it mean to be minced and moist, there it is in your pocket. You pull it up, you open it up. It shows you the documents. It shows you the, the descriptors. You can even look at the video showing you the test methods. Awesome. So it's all there for people. Yeah. It's just a matter of, of you know, going to their website. And I, I hate when people are always like, oh, just go to the website, go to the but really, in this case, yeah, that's where everything is. Someone texted me. I don't. It was a few days ago. Someone texted me this super long, like I don't know where I would find this information. Blah 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 blah. I'm really trying to get into Etsy implemented. Where would I go? And I was like, that's literally on the front page of the Etsy website. And they're like, are you kidding? I was like, no, please go there. <laughs> so yes, I know that Etsy's done a wonderful job of giving us the information. We're just, I don't know if we're just being so damn stubborn and implementing it. I don't know what's going on, but. I think a lot of it actually comes down to the fact that so we're so used to, you know, and, and I'll probably throw my company under the bus too, manufacture websites that don't really have the hard hitting information that's needed and necessary, right? Easy on the front yeah, page. Yeah. So just do, how am I going to get this? How am I going to get, well, it's every time I give a presentation on it, I, I literally go to their webpage and take a screenshot of it that morning and it never changes. And I just, I circle it. I'm like, look, here on the screen, this is what it looked like this morning. I can't guarantee that's what it'll look like tomorrow, but it, look, here's three different places where you can get the, all the information on the diet. Yeah. Awesome. So if we're trying to get everybody to implement it, just go to the website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Or, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be stuff popping up really soon where you can go to somebody's, you know, paid CEU yeah. class to yeah. go learn about it. Yes. But, yes. You, you can sit down and probably in the course of a couple of Starbucks coffees, get your way through it. And it's, it's really not like reading a scientific paper. Awesome. Now you can, because they've published four different scientific papers. You can go read all of those. If you really want to read all the evidence behind it and what they did in the meta study and what all the evidence suggests and all that kind of stuff, you can go that deep if you want to. But if you just want to learn what the diet is and how to implement it, it's there. Even a speech pathologist could do it. You don't have to be a paper engineer to figure it out. Yeah, you don't need to be a paper engineer. Awesome. awesome. It should be the other way. Yeah. I mean, a paper engineer can figure it out. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I wrote an article once, like 10, 10 differences between ITSI and the National Dysphagia Diet. I can make copies of that available yeah, to your listeners be great. if you want. Yeah. They can download that. And I really sat down and said, you know, if I'm doing National Dysphagia Diet or I think I'm doing National Dysphagia Diet, what do I really need to know? What's different about it? It's, it's the same, but you know, it's just a little bit on the edges. Yeah. The differences. Yeah. Some of them are really obvious. Like, you know, they have more levels. Yeah. I never, I just really never fully grasp. I mean, cause I go to so many different facilities and like, like you said, I mean, even though people are using in these facilities, like the national dysphagia diet, like what somebody's level one is like somebody's level three. Like it, it's just maddening to me because I see the differences, you know, they're like, Oh no, that's level two in our facility. I'm like, but it's not at this one, you know? So hopefully Itsy puts all this stuff to bed. Well, one of, one of the fun things is, you know, if you just walk up to people and say, you know, what's a mechanical advance to diet or, you know, yeah, what's a, and, and then they have to talk about what it is. Well, Itsy tried to pick levels that are intuitive yes. so that even $7 an hour, $8 an hour kitchen staff understands when you say soft and bite-sized, yeah. they've already got a pretty good idea. Yeah. Now we have some tests and we can tell you what we mean exactly, but you don't spend a long time figuring it out or, you know, is that a soft and bite-sized plate? 
you know, you can look at it. No, that looks pretty pureed to me. Yeah. But you say a level two advanced. Yeah. Could be something different. Yeah. In every facility. It literally is something different in every facility. So good. Oh, well, thanks, John. This has been so wonderful. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I, yeah. I greatly appreciate this it. This is great. Is there anything else you want the people to know? I just think, I know you guys see people clinically. If you get a chance, I'd really suggest that you find a way to watch people. Uh, I call it kind of in the wild. And, and like right when we launched Simplific Easy Mix, or I should say right before, the father of one of my son's friends had, had a very mild stroke. And he was in a rehab facility. And he was asking me about, you know, he looked around the room and my wife was like, hey, if you need any thickener, I know where you can get all the samples you want. And he was like, why would that be? Because, you know, he might see the logo or he might, but never processed it. And she told him and then he's like, oh, look, I found some of the packets. And he's like, but how do you mix it with soda? And I had the easy mix in my house. It was two weeks before launch. I'm like, I'm just going to bring it to him. So I brought him some samples. I visited with him. I watched him there. And then a couple of weeks later, he needed more thickener. So I went to his house to give it to him. And, you know, it's the type of thing. He, he's had a number of health issues. And, and I walked in the house and it was 8 o'clock at night. And I didn't expect it. They were all eating dinner. And just watching the family interaction as they were eating dinner, dad's back home and he's on thickener and all that kind of stuff. And I just watched the family interaction as I always pictured. I wanted thickener to be so easy to use that it wasn't a big deal that the family member was on it. And just watching the family interaction, watching them tear it open, and just casually stir it in as they're all talking and stuff. And just seeing the interaction with family and remembering that at the end of the day, we're trying to help people get back to their lives, get back to what they're doing. And just, and like I walked away going, you know, I'm so glad 18 years ago, I made the decision to do this and not the other thing. Because, you know, it really brings it home when you can really see it, when you can go out and see it in the wild, so to speak. And so, you know, get out, of, get out of your therapy sometimes, go walk around the meal time, go serve people, go, you know, if you get a chance, I know you do some home visits, right, Teresa? I so don't, I'm do. just strictly in skilled nursing. Okay, it's just in skilled nursing. Yeah. So I guess it's some of the people I've heard you talk about where they, they do that. Yeah. And, and I did hear, was it the episode this week where you guys were talking about, you know, somebody should try thickener for a week? Yeah. I did it for, it was 24 hours. The lady was saying, oh, every therapist who wants to give people yeah. thickeners to give for 24 hours. I did it for a week. Yeah. Did you survive? And I survived, but I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, when you get into that and you say, you know what, I'm just going to thicken my liquids for a week. People look at you like you're crazy. And you try it out and you really begin to see and you begin to appreciate and you get that empathy. And then you look for ways to make it better. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's sort of my last words on it is, is you know, remember it's... Same thing I tell my employees, you know, they're not calling us on a good day. Yeah. And we got to try and make it as, as painless as we can for them. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, that's what I try to tell my patients too, because I always like, I, I don't ever try to put a bad spin on things. You know, like I, I've heard, I've heard other SLPs like go in and they're like, oh, you failed. You got to drink honey thick liquids for life. And it's like, oh. you're out of your damn mind. Like, you no. And, and I mean, so anytime I have to recommend thickened liquids for a patient. I try, I don't, sugar coating isn't the word, but like, I try to say like, this is something that you need temporarily while we work on strengthening your swallow. There's, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I 
you know, recommend Simply Thick, but I just say there's, you know, products that are good, that, that won't make it, you know, as bad as it sounds. It'll be a little different for a little while, but we'll, you know, work on rehabbing your swallow and getting you better in the meantime, get another follow-up swallow study in, you know, four to six weeks, and hopefully you won't have to have it anymore. You know, and I think saying it that way is a lot more encouraging to a patient and doesn't make them feel like they have this death sentence as opposed to saying, sorry, this is, you know, you failed and now you have to drink this stuff for life. Like, I think yeah. it's all like the psychological spin you put on it from the get-go. No, it's, it's you know, trying to give them that, that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's what, you know, here's where you are today. And, you know, we're going to, the goal of our therapy is to get it so that you can progress and not need this anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that, that should be everybody's goal. Yeah. It's, it, I, there's people that, you know, we're not the best friends anymore. And I wouldn't ever want them to need thickener. Yeah. I really wouldn't. Yeah. But if I need thickener or my mom needs thickener, I'm going to be glad that it's, that we took the time to come up with a better product. Yes. Yes. And, and to make it as, as least intrusive as we can. Yeah. Awesome. And that's how we want it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. This has been so wonderful. Thank you, Teresa. I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah, of course. And and it's been a pleasure to get to know you. Oh, yes, you as well. And I'm so glad that, because, uh, you know, you talked about how Duke introduced me to you. Yeah. Uh, we were having like a little company dinner in, at ASHA, and he got up and he said, well, I got to go to this thing. And he was like, sort of half the door, and he turned around and said, well, John, do you want to come with? And I said, what's it going to be? And he said, oh, you got to meet Teresa. She's great. And so I'm so glad that he, he introduced me to you. And I told you before, it, it really was a highlight of Asha for me to, get to know you and uh, and your friends and hang out with you. It was made it very, very nice. And it's, it's good to connect with good people who are doing good work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. I super appreciate that. So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on swallowyourpridepodcast.com where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills, and thank you so much to all of you for listening.